Nate. What's up, dude? How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. So good to hear from you. You too, man. You in Missoula? Yeah. Uh, in Missoula and really appreciative of all the big, wide open space right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's a lot uh, more I hear, I hear, and kind of nice. Yeah, man. I, I hear the uh, the pandemic there has been virtually non-existent. Yeah, I mean, a lot of things here are virtually non-existent, man. <laughs> but uh, no. So, so tell me, t- tell ahead. me what uh, what's been going on. You are you writing? Or are you meditating? Are you reading? I am doing all of those things. Uh, I oh man, I just got married last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I guess <laughs> that's a thing I uh, I forget to tell people now. But anyway, so that's a thing that happened, and that's good. Well, but congratulations. Thank you. When I when I'm not getting married, I uh, no. I've, I've oh been my god! Married. I can't believe it, man. Like, <laughs> wow. I mean, I knew this was was going to happen, but uh, yeah, yeah. You, I, I assume you didn't have a wedding then. Uh, like uh, big, big no, no. We uh, we had our parents, uh, our respective parents, come over. We had a nice dinner, signed some papers, and made it all official. And that was that was about the end of it. It was a very unceremonial, but very simple and beautiful, and exactly what we wanted. So I'm happy. A quarantine wedding. <laughs> yeah, we all we all wore face masks. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, man, so it'd no. be great. The, 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 the <laughs> pictures, the pictures, you're all just. <laughs> that's that's good. Uh, no, things have been good, man. Uh, so that happened, and then yeah, I've been meditating a lot. Um, I mean, I don't know. At this point now, my meditation practice it, it feels like. I still like getting 10 or 20 or 30 minutes on the cushion where I'll just I'll sit in the chair or sit on the couch or whatever. But more and more, um, it's just kind of seamlessly incorporating into my everyday life, which is not something that I expected. And it's something that I wish uh, <laughs> would happen more often than it does. But it's uh, it's 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 great, man. Like I just find myself doing random tasks and kind of caught up in thoughts. And then all of a sudden this little like light kicks in and I'm like, oh, oh, man, everything's just kind of, uh, you know, everything's just kind of all right, <laughs> despite everything going yeah, on. I fa- yeah, I found that when I first started meditating and uh, getting into the sort of rhythm of it, I, I did start to notice uh, there's a, a thing that Sam Harris always says that that everything is appearing in consciousness. Mm-hmm. And I, I noticed myself like just without articulating it that way in my head, sort of noticing that, oh, that, yeah. that things were just sort of appearing in consciousness. Well, now here's something that'll, well, I don't know if it'll blow your mind, but it blew my mind when I finally got it. Um, and it's like, things are appearing in consciousness or are they appearing as consciousness and in consciousness at the same time? Because if they're appearing in consciousness, there's still this subtle kind of duality about it. But uh, it's, it's really interesting when you see like a thought and you go, Oh, is this separate from awareness or is it kind of the same thing? It's like a wave in the ocean. It's like the ocean is the source of all waves, but every wave comes from the ocean, but every wave is a little different. And it's a, it's a really beautiful um, kind of way of being in the world that happens very rarely for me, but it still happens. 
I haven't done enough psilocybin, apparently. <laughs> I've never done it. So. That does help. I, I, uh, some psilocybin in a float tank will, uh, will do you wonders, or at least it'll open you up a little bit, apparently. Or not. Maybe I'm just crazy talking. Are you doing the sauna any, any, any time recently? I haven't been to the sauna in a long time, man, which is a bummer. Um, I feel like I, I feel I feel the need to sweat. I'm pretty sure all saunas are totally off base right now. Like you just can't get in them because all the sweat. Yeah, the one in our building has been closed for a while, and it's been frustrating. I may yeah. have snuck in there this week, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, you said something a while ago, and I don't know if it was a friend of yours or you made this up or whatever, but it was you, you said something about. Um, uh, speaking only when it adds more value than silence. Oh man! And the, the, you know how things just sort of stick with you sometimes, and and that resonated with me. And it was unfortunate that it resonates with me because I also make a podcast every week, right? <laughs> and so it's like um, maybe I shouldn't put this podcast out anymore. But my my hope is that mm. the podcast adds more value than than if it weren't in the world. Yeah. But talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, dude, that's one of my big, uh, if I, if I have life goals anymore, that is a life goal is to know, <laughs> to have the wisdom, uh, and the wherewithal to shut the hell up more and, uh, just listen. But yeah, the quote, it was, uh, a friend of mine, uh, named Michael and, uh, I, I just hanging out with him, uh. <laughs> speaking of psilocybin, we did a, a mushroom ceremony like two years ago. Um, and I was just hanging out with them all day. And like that evening I was like, man, you just seem to just be so calm and grounded. Like, when do you decide like when to talk? And he, and he just, and then he waited like a minute, like a full minute. And I was like, all right, this is a bit ridiculous. But he said, yeah, I only speak when I have something more valuable to say than silence. And it just hit mm. me so hard where I was like that that feels like wisdom to me. And so in my life now, it's, uh, it's, I mean, man, I like to say that I am silent a lot. Um, when I'm with people, I am just loud and talkative and you can't shut me up. But when I'm alone, um, I don't talk to myself <laughs> uh, out loud, <laughs> but no, it feels like it's integrating into my life a lot more. And I just notice when you're silent, you just notice all of the things that are happening inside of you and, and, and apparently outside of you. And you can actually feel it all as if it's for the first time, like every experience is kind of feels new and fresh and unique. And it allows you the space to just, you know, figure out if you need to say anything. And if you feel like compelled to say something, what is it going to be and how is it going to be received? And like, what's the point of it? Is it coming from ego? Are you just reacting? So these are the things I think that are uh, afforded uh, when you when you can be in silence. Yeah, I think in a way it's it's about improved listening, and listening is just a form of noticing, right? Yes. And, and so the silence around other people, you know, it's possible to be silent and also tune them out. And so there's there's maybe also an active component to it as well the the noticing the the listening because you could be silent externally but be noisy inside the, the float tank actually made me realize that the very first time I did a float tank and you turn off all your senses you know, the touch and 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 sight and and sound and, and all of a sudden you're just in it's like it's like you're in deep space and oh, what you notice when you turn every when you turn the world down around you 
you realize just how loud it is inside you. Oh, man. And there's actually something beautiful about this, too. I was reading a, a book by a woman named Tony Packer, and she's a former Zen meditation teacher. Uh, she passed away, I think, sometime in the 90s and maybe the 2000s. And she had this emphasis on what she called, uh, quote, just looking and just listening. And uh, she was asked in an interview what distinguished uh, simple just looking and just listening from ordinary looking and listening. And like any good Zen meditation teacher, she answered the question with another question. And the question she mm. asked, the question she asked back is she said, have you ever listened to breathing without knowing what it is? And when you listen to breathing without knowing what it is, there is no right breathing. There is no wrong breathing. There is just this simple expression of awareness or consciousness um, in human form breathing. And it doesn't mean that you're ignorant. It doesn't mean that you've become stupid or you're closing yourself off. It's actually when you're able to be silent and when you're able to uh, keep everything fresh, you just experience the world in a whole different way. And that's something that, uh, that hits home for me and something that I'm trying to practice more and more now. I don't know. I've, I lived with Ryan for a while and he used to snore a lot. So I, I've heard <laughs> breathing that I didn't know what it was. He's a crazy loud snore. Like I really thought there was construction going on, oh, but maybe man. that's not the type of breathing we're talking about. Hey, you, uh, you've, uh, have you been, it sounds like you said you've been writing. You, you were doing some sort of what I would call immersive journalism over the last few years. Let's talk a little yeah. bit about that and then what, whatever you're working on right now. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. So uh, it's been a little while uh, since I've done kind of my own project. Like I've been, you know, helping out uh, this nutrition company that I've been working with, with their marketing, and that's been keeping up a lot of my time. But I still have this passion and this, I, uh, this need, almost like this innate need to put myself into situations where I can learn something and then try to figure out the best way to communicate that. So yeah, a couple of years ago, I went and did that. Uh, uh, experience in the woods where it was this men's group and I wrote about that and it was uh, it became a feature in men's health and it was man it was a, a hard article to write just because it challenged me in so many ways as a writer and as a thinker um, but yeah right in now in terms of vulnerability right and, uh, vulnerability too I don't know for, for some reason the vulnerability hasn't ever been that difficult for me I think I need to learn when to shut the hell up more often than I need to worry about being vulnerable um, for me it was how do I capture these how do I capture and and care for these guys experience because it wasn't just me like I mean I was you know mm -hmm. the point of the story was me going through it but I was with like I forget the number 14 other guys who bared their soul wide open and let me can record conversations on a little recorder and and write about it for a magazine and there was a photographer there so it was a big deal and i just felt this uh huge responsibility to to be true to them and to into myself and the experience and to try to write it in a way that people would find it interesting and entertaining but also leave them with something they could they could you know maybe think about or go do afterward are you thinking about doing anything else like that? I mean, yeah, it could be, it could be fascinating, especially with what everything that's going on right now. Um, you know, Ryan and I just finished our, our next book called uh, "Love People Use Things." You're actually quoted in it. Um, what? Uh, Congratulations! Briefly. Also, and, first time that you said that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, and and we just turned in the third draft this this past week, and um, 
at the beginning, I had to write a, a new forward to the book because, mm. it, it, you know, in many ways, you know, in fact, the, the, the forward is called pandemic preparation. Like, I wouldn't say this if I was trying to market the book to, to someone, but in, in a weird way, like it started out, it's a relationship book, not just relationship with other people, but relationship with ourselves, our money, our values, uh, our stuff, et cetera. Uh, there's seven different relationships in our life that Ryan and I identify in the book. One of them is with people. And that's mm-hmm. how it initially started. Is like we wanted to do a, a relationship book, a traditional relationship book, but then we realized that there, we have a lot of sort of crappy relationships with ourselves that we need to get out of the way. Absolutely. And that, that we need to fix before we can have thriving relationships with other people. Because if we're a mess, you know, if I don't have my oxygen mask on, I can't really help you put yours on. I'll probably pass out first. Absolutely. And, and so um, as, as we were sort of going through this, I also realized when this whole pandemic hit that in many ways we had written a, a crisis preparation manual. Mm. And minimalism is in, in many ways, you know, being prepared to live with less and thrive with less is one of the best ways to prepare for to, to prepare for a crisis in a way. And I, it'd be fascinating if you could go to that same uh, retreat or, or whatever you were calling it with with those guys and do it again at a time like this. I wonder how it would be different. I bet you'd be a lot different, man. I mean, uh, one thing that I've uh, been working on, I guess we're talking about being vulnerable right now is... Uh, for the first time in my life, I've started doing some uh, therapy sessions and uh, mm. I, n- I never knew, I, n- I never thought like I've always been into self-development and, you know, all of that, but I never really felt like I had any issues, you know, quote unquote issues to work through. I, my past was, you know, difficult and challenging in its own way, like most people's, um, but there wasn't anything that stood out to me really. And, uh, but one of the one of the meditation teachers I work with named Locke Kelly, he uh, recommended I uh, work with a therapist um, who specializes in something called internal family systems. And it's basically this idea that you don't just have this one ego locked in your head, that really you have this whole internal family. And what would it be like to care for this family and to hear them? And most of us most of us have uh, spent so much of our lives, uh, abandoning parts of ourselves or, you know, trying to keep a part of ourselves down in the basement to the point that we we're not even conscious that they exist. Like that was what was crazy for me doing these weekly therapy sessions. I've done, I've done 10. Can you give me an example of, of a, of one of these ego family members that you weren't aware existed? Yeah, sure. Um, man, there was a really, really angry part that I had kept down there for a long time. And when I, I say down God, there, it's so I'm hard not, to believe with you. I've, I, I mean, know I, I, I feel like I know you really well, but I did. I don't know. Dude, I don't know that side of you and you didn't I, know your, that, that side. No, I thought I knew myself well enough. <laughs> and that's the, and this is the thing with meditation and stillness or whatever you want to call it too. It's like, it's beautiful in its own right. And it's a tool and it's a skill, but, um, once you have this skill or once you can recognize thoughts or whatever, like, what are you doing with it? And the doing this therapy work, uh, again, internal family systems, man, uh, there's a great book called greater than the sum of our parts, uh, that was created by the founder of it. Um, I I'd recommend the audio book because it's almost like a guided therapy session. Um, you just listen to it in your living room or whatever on your own, but yeah, man, there was this angry part came out and not came out. Like I started like, you know, thrashing about the room or anything but it just (laughs) i gave a yeah it just it it, 
I gave it a voice and I listened to it for the first time and I don't even know how long, maybe ever, um, at least as an adult first time. And it had a lot of that part of me had a lot to say and it had a it was very scared of the world in a lot of ways, but it also had a gift and the gift was um, showing me that I can have integrity, uh, like even more integrity in my life and I, I don't have to compromise to purchase security that I'm in a position where, um, and this is shit I would have never thought about or said out loud, um, you know, a couple months ago, but man, talking to that angry part of me, um, Mm. and, uh, all the other parts that I've been neglecting or that, you know, are vying for attention. Um, it's just, it's transformed a lot of things because now it feels like, uh, it just feels like my life is more whole and I feel more, uh, uh, I don't even know how to say it sounds corny, but I feel more complete because I feel like my experience is all now equalized. Um, and, and everyone gets a, every part of me gets to come to the table and, uh, say what they're feeling and thinking. Uh, it may sound spooky, man, but it's been a beautiful process. I think that's a great place to end it. Nate, thank you, brother. Hey, thank you, man.